0: (laughs) greetings earthlings this is zednarf of planet j392qx
1: what's up thanks for listening to the little bit podcast Today in the studio, we've got Mike Torrey. He's a Senior Operations Manager for Raptor Production, Additive Manufacturing, and Prop R&D for SpaceX. It's a pretty cool interview, so I hope you enjoy. What is Raptor Production?
0: Raptor is the new engine that SpaceX has designed, developed, and has been testing for their, uh, for their new Starship vehicle.
1: Ooh, and Starship, does that mean holding people, passengers?
0: Uh, it is to take a hundred metric tons and put them into orbit. Okay. Uh, the end goal of transporting
1: people and cargo to Mars. Ooh, okay. So, this is something that I, I've watched plenty of videos and heard podcasts about. The Elon Musk, he's thinking that we must go to Mars, colonize in order to have an, a plan B for when this planet is no longer. Um, livable is that kind of what his goal is to go to mars and like live there have a colony there
0: um you know that's that's his goal with spacex or one of his goals with spacex i i I think personally that you know he is really maybe not as happy with how we have advanced technology Mm -hmm. um and so one of the things i think about is what he's really helped people do is see that they are far more capable than what they thought they were hmm. capable of, okay. and I think you know pushing the advancement of technology helps that. But for his goal, like he he wants to colonize Mars.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you think that that's financially a reasonable thing for our pop for people in, on Earth to even consider, or is that something that because you there's no air there, so we'd have to have a way to make oxygen. We'd have a way have to have a way to. Clothe ourselves and grow food. Like, is it m- more of a cost to try to do that on a planet that's already unlivable? Or should we work to focus on our planet now to try to make it, try to save it?
0: So, I think it's about driving the technology to make it mm. cheaper. So, mm. SpaceX has been able to reuse rockets okay. that was thought to be impossible, just right. like at some point people exactly. thought it was impossible to fly. Right, right, you know? right. So, I can't imagine spending money on a plane ticket back in the early days mm-hmm. when most of them were crashing all the time. But as they've improved the air flight technology, right? You know, airplanes and whatnot, um, the cost of flying has you know come down,
1: mm. or at least
0: I hope it has, comparatively speaking. But I don't, I don't know all those. Yeah, numbers. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But if you don't focus on audacious goals, mm. you don't make exponential leaps and bounds in technology that might get you there or even halfway there and find out what the real roadblocks are. Okay. You know, the biggest thing is people say it's impossible. I'm not going to try it. Hmm. Um, whereas again, my, my thought or my perception is that, you know, it's like, okay, let's do this. Like, yeah. let's find out what it, what is it really going to take? Right. And then when we hit these hurdles, find out what's not working.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what is it going to take to make that work?
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. So how many years are we talking here? Five, 10, 20 years to live on Mars?
0: Uh like, that, that I that I'm not too sure. I mean I know the end goal is to build a civilization out there
1: mm-hmm.
0: and to at you know, over time terraform it so that way it is more like Earth. That mm. way you don't have to live in a biodome and whatnot. But
1: oh, I don't know how long
0: any of that stuff takes. I just know I need to make the engines to get people there.
1: I've asked you this before and I don't know how much you can tell me about this, but I know we're trying to put people into space and I don't know what SpaceX wants to do as far as how they're going to surpass what NASA's already done with, you know, orbiting the earth into the moon and back and what they're doing, what they have done, what they want to do. But how many people does it take to put someone into into orbit?
0: Um, SpaceX right now, uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think Gwen had mentioned in a recent uh, conversation, it's probably around 6,000 people.
1: Wow. Okay. Uh,
0: and that includes you know at facility. your campus no this oh. includes uh people that work up in vandenberg in wow. cape canaveral the dc office oh, up in goodness. seattle and the satellites um okay. but i mean i'm i'm not 100 percent certain on these numbers
1: mm-hmm. and those these the all these offices do different things so you guys work on specifically the raptor and then this D.C. office is more the that's, paperwork guys that's, that's or something like, like that. Uh,
0: yeah, it's working with our Air Force partners, our Got government it. contract uh, partners, um, you know, people in that, that reside in D.C. Or, or have influence in D.C. or in the laws.
1: Okay. is Are you able to speak on that at all? Can we hear about the government partnerships? Like, what does the government do for you? Is that... Too much. Uh, no,
0: I, I actually, I really don't know. Mm. Um, I know that there's a lot of work on showcasing what our launch capabilities are. Um, and our performance is uh, important for that mm-hmm. as well as our reliability because, okay. you know, the Air Force or, you know, anybody in the military, they want to put a really expensive satellite into orbit. So they want to make sure they do it for low cost, high mm-hmm. probability of success and high reliability. All right. Because 250 million dollars satellite is pretty expensive. You don't want to yeah. you know, break it and then have to do a whole new one.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you ever met Elon Musk?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: What's uh, he like?
0: A couple times. He is. He is definitely intelligent. He is very in tune with everything that's going on at SpaceX. He's not. Wow. Uh, a CEO, in my experience, that doesn't understand the finite details, mm. he understands the finite details. And then he he questions something and goes, you know, can we do this better? What is holding us back from doing this better? Mm. You know, and in the sense of not that we're not trying hard enough, but that we've been conditioned to think that once we hit what our limiting factor is and sure. that's it, we, we stop. OK, it it says we can't go down that road. Well, why? Well, there's a sign that says don't go down there. Mm-hmm. Well, what's down that road? I don't know. It just says don't go. Mm-hmm. Well, can we peek around and see what's down that road? Like, could be something great. Could be okay. something bad, too, but, mm-hmm. you know, we can always come back. We know where we are now. Mm-hmm. So, but very in tune operationally, very right. in tune uh, design-wise.
1: Hmm. That's interesting, because I-, I, was- I was wondering, you know, if he was a very hands-off kind of guy, and he just sat back and, and did like his own personal stuff or is he very hands-on with the company? Cause not, it's not only SpaceX, it's also, he's got a big part in Tesla, correct? Correct. And what is his role with Tesla?
0: Um, I don't remember his exact title cause it's changed after some of the SEC filings and court rulings and stuff. Mm. I think he's still like, he's still titled CEO. I believe he owns a majority shares of the business mm. um, or is the highest uh, shareholder of the business. But, uh, I could be way off my rocker on that one. Right. Is but, that, yeah. i oh, sorry, go so, ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, is that like, is that his main thing or is SpaceX like, where does he focus most of his energy and time?
0: He's at SpaceX, you know, two, three days a week. And from my understanding, he's also at Tesla, the equal amount of time. Um, but he does, he does get hands on. I mean, I mean, I remember being in there on a Saturday afternoon doing some prep work for one of the engines that was about to ship working with my team and uh we we got told hey you know Elon's coming in he wants to do a tag up wants to walk the production floor wants to see how we're doing this one with one of these process developments that Mm. we're working on so i was like okay so last minute i had to coordinate a couple welders to come in do some orbital tube welding on some quarter inch diameter tubing that's really thin like 20 thou wall thickness oh my gosh and so i'm working with the interns got the uh welders over there and we're going through the manufacturing process and then The tour comes with elon you know i was with him earlier talking about the raptor Mm -hmm. um, items and talking about some additive items and we get to the end of the manufacturing process test that we're trying out where we're winding up all this quarter inch tubing and he's holding it because he's sitting there helping to wind it to understand like what it does to spring back of the coil or the tubing feel like and as you're winding it up to keep it from springing apart you got to throw a couple tack welds in to just hold everything together So I get down there, I grab the torch, I grab the mask, I tell Elon, like, just hold your hand there, look away, don't look at the bright light, not this time at least. Oh, he didn't
1: even have an eye protection? No, no, so he was looking away,
0: and I threw uh, two tags in there to hold it into place, and the look on everybody's face of relief, that I didn't screw it up, (laughs) was priceless.
1: Wow.
0: And in the back of my head, I'm just like... I Yay! am so gonna party I tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so wow. so uh, so I I joke at work that oh yeah Elon certified me for welding I can fucking weld anything don't yeah, worry about it there you go not accurate though I cannot <laughs> weld anything
1: you cannot weld anything <laughs> but the fact that you did that in a pinch and that was impressive I I, I commend you on that good job. Thanks. That's legit.
0: But yeah, so I mean, but that's him getting his hands dirty with the operations, like wanting to learn. Like, okay, here's here's an idea that he had. We're testing out the methodology behind it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like, cool. Like, let me let me let me see some of the pains that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in walking the shop floor and doing the doing the technician work. You know, there there should be no barrier between management and the hourly workforce that are building hardware, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are adding the value by getting that product out the door. Right. So, um, I've had a hand in uh, pretty much almost every engine build at some component level or another. Whether it was working with my additive team mm. and helping them do some crazy late night shifts, mm-hmm. or helping out the engine team doing a thirty six hour shift and just going going ball to ball just make this stuff wow.
1: happen. Wow. But
0: I do, it, I do it because I want to see what my limitations are. Okay. So SpaceX has been really great in a sense where they've enabled me to just go batshit crazy mm-hmm. with myself to see like how hard can I push myself. And then mm-hmm. when I lose my shit,
1: mm-hmm. how do
0: I learn about that and then go harder the next time?
1: And when you say your limitations, are you talking about like physical mental mentally like with with how trying things are or just your like how much you
0: know for me it's a mix of physical like how long can i push myself like what's my endurance limit for working hard mm-hmm. um is also like a mental thing of like how much like frustration stress and what can i endure and what happens when i start to fail you know the more you're stressed out the more you start getting tunnel vision so it becomes harder and harder to remain in a positive attitude to be thinking outside the box so it's me trying to figure out okay how am i in those situations now that i've you know i went to the very end and i failed but that's my intent is to fail every time because i keep oh. extending what my end position is yeah it's there's i don't regret a single thing in my life that has happened i actually mm-hmm. like would do it all over the same exact way, all the good times, all the bad times, all the really weird, terrible times. Right. Because, like, I, I'm pretty pumped with who I've become. Most right. people like me. A couple coworkers don't like me, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> they, they just, they haven't come, you know, they haven't made it to my level yet, so. Right. But once they do, they'll be like, all right, Mike's a good guy.
1: Right, right, right. That's, the. you know what, that's freaking awesome, because I feel the same way I was just having that talk with myself the other day, I'm like, I have had some of the worst things happen to me. Some of the I've lived through some of the most terrible, horrific things. And I think to myself, would I do that again? You have to say yes. You have to say yes. Cause if in this moment you enjoy who you are, you like your life, you're happy with like the way you view the world, you can't have done anything differently. I don't think so. Yeah. Like even a slight, even the slightest bit of difference, like you didn't meet that person or you didn't. I mean, you know. It, granted, I could have not gone through McDonald's drive-through like those four to fifteen times in my life. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Especially like, when hammered. Exactly, <laughs> but it's not going to change the outcome necessarily of like the decisions I've made. It just makes
0: like, you shit less in the morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but no, I agree with you. I think that's really powerful. I think when you to like accept. Everything, I think a lot of the issues that we've got with like the way our lives are is we blame ourselves for like all of these stupid things that happened in our past when we should really just embrace those things, forget about it, take that next step forward and be like, I am who I am now and just go with it.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think part of that, part of the reason why we as a culture struggle with that is because we... Watch and are influenced by so many like this is what the uh the perfect life looks like like right. nothing bad ever happens so, no right. fuck that dude i want some bad stuff to happen to me because that makes you hard you exactly. know
1: exactly some bad stuff has to happen
0: yeah it's Absolutely. Uh, I, you know i was listening to uh joe rogan podcast oh Wednesday, gosh and i love him and he was with david goggins and he's talking about mm. how he just does things that he hates because he knows it's gonna make him tough and mm. it's about getting mentally tough i was like i like doing that stuff But, but again, you know, everybody's different. So if you have different experiences growing up, going balls to the wall means different things to you versus what I would consider going balls to the wall. Right. Um, but everyone's got their own little path and journey for it. So as long as you just keep progressing forward, I mean, you'll be, you'll be fine.
1: Totally. Let's talk a little bit more about SpaceX and I know you just got a promotion. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you have like a team? Are you just in charge of like a like a certain par- portion of this one department? What's What's your day to day like? Lots
0: of questions there. I so know. my team consists of uh, the additive operations group. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we three D print uh, metal components for the engines and for oh, the wow. vehicle. Oh um,
1: wow! How do you three D print metal? Is it welded at the same? T- how does that come? stick to itself so
0: we the the most common process is powder bed fusion okay so you have powder on a build plate and you have a laser that centers it okay um in an xy coordinate and then the plate drops in the z-axis down one layer okay you brush a really thin layer of powder over okay about 40 to 50 microns and then you center another layer so it's almost like when people hmm. take an MRI or their body, and they can go through all the different slices, we're doing the same thing with a part where we slice it up into like seven, 8,000 slices, and print 8, each slice one slices. at a time. Yeah. What? The unique thing about additive is you can print incredibly um, dynamic geometry, hmm. and unique geometry uh, that you really couldn't do through other manufacturing methods, so... For example, you might have a device that needs like four or five different machine components that okay. then get welded and then have a brazing component that goes in addition to that. Uh-huh. Um, so you have to manage all these other little piece parts to combine them together. Mm-hmm. So you have tolerance fit up issues at that point. Um, you have failure modes at each one of those sub processes and then even at the main assembly process. Whereas additive, you only print what you need, so you can print all of that together. Wow. It's so removing a lot of the, the complexity in a traditional manufacturing process. Dang. But the the additive team, man, those guys, they have blown my freaking mind. Like, I was gonna there's, say. there's not a day where I go in where I don't learn something from those guys. From the technicians to the engineers, I'm just like, I almost I almost feel weird going to work. I feel like a dummy at the time. Really? There. I'm like, uh, I, I don't know if I'm like smart enough to be here right now. <laughs> Wow. But, so that's one one group that I that I get the joy of uh working with and then mm. the other group is uh the R&D operations team. So okay. That's where under the Propulsion Org, uh, we've got uh, like a small group of like super skilled technicians that can literally do anything and everything. So mm-hmm. the technicians have built turbo pumps, engines, they've gone to Texas to work on the hopper vehicle. They've gone to Texas to work on the engine stand. They've gone out to Stennis. Like these guys are just some of the best technicians in the world that you just give them a problem and they're like, cool, I'll have it a solution for you in like three hours.
1: Wow. And then they're done.
0: And then and, and that team is very dynamic where like I've. Never seen them not overcome an obstacle. Mm. Like they and and they work their asses off too. And then the third group is is the recent group, which is the Raptor Production Group. So there I'm I'm now kind of managing the final assembly of the engine as well as the assembly of some subcomponents that flow into the final assembly of the hmm. engine. So we're we're just starting to build up that team now because we're accelerating the production rate of Raptor like as fast as humanly possible.
1: Right. So what is the goal with Raptor? Like, you know, where is it going? What do they want to do with that specific engine?
0: Oh, so that engine is going to be used on the Starship and on the and the booster for the Starship. So that's what's going to Got enable um, really low cost access to space for like heavy lift operations. Mm. So whether it's to, you know, low Earth orbit, you know, space station area or it's the moon or satellites that are in like a GTO configuration Mm. Um, or even out to Mars, but it's a, it's a really, it has a really cool engine. Um, Dang. I don't, I don't it's have enough
1: reusable? of it.
0: Yeah. So the design the the whole design in starship and the booster itself is for multiple
1: launch and landings. So they don't like release a piece once it gets into space, like you see in the movies. They don't fire off that ring, and then the next booster goes, and they drop all this metal throughout space. So, it stays intact. Or? No,
0: well, so you'll still have like the booster itself that okay. go into space, and then it'll shut off, and then the starship will then take over. So okay. the booster would separate, come back to Earth, fuel up, fuel up.
1: It would it would come back to Earth.
0: Yeah, and then propulsively land.
1: It could come. It could come back and unmanned yep. land. No freaking way. Yeah,
0: so we're already doing that now with the Falcon 9 uh, vehicle. Yeah, I, I, the, the fact that we're doing that just absolutely blows my that mind. That blows
1: my mind, too. I can't believe it. I mean, we're, in Hollywood, we're used to seeing, like, the spaceship take off, and then this big old piece comes off just to get it done. Just into the stratosphere, and then once it gets into space, this other big ring falls off, and who knows where it goes? It just goes into space somewhere, or falls back into the Earth.
0: Yeah, so a lot of there are different launch vehicles out there that are like two, three, and four stage uh, lift vehicles. Mm. Um, our Falcon Nine has a you know the main first stage which has nine Merlin engines, and then it's got a second stage Merlin engine for space. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we have the uh, payload that adapts to either you know the crew vehicle or to the fairing for satellite deployment. But our our second stage is, and most most companies out there don't recover anything. Our only, we're not recovering our second stage right now, and we're trying to do a better job of recovering our fairings.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Because you don't, I mean, okay. So what happens if you don't recover it? Does it fall into the ocean? Yeah, we gotta, go, we gotta go. Up? We gotta go.
0: We gotta go fishing for it.
1: Do you really go like diving for it, or does it float or? You, the can you...
0: exact details? I don't know. I know that there was one where we missed the boat. Okay. And But we were able to actually fish that out of the water and uh, recondition huh. it.
1: Hmm.
0: Or I don't know if they've, if they've actually fully reconditioned it or not or what the status is on that. I know it ended up doing a landing in the water or maybe this is one that fell over. I Man, there's so many that we've landed. Like, I don't remember. Um. <laughs> but I know that we were able to take one of the vehicles out of the water and, you know, they're, you know, engineers reviewing it. I mean, even when it hits the water and we fail, there's so much that we're learning from, from each instance, which, of course, you know, as adults, we're conditioned to think failure is bad. It's like, no way, dude. Failure is awesome because had you not tried that, you never would have learned the next piece of
1: information. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, I was at the bank. It was about nine o'clock at night and I look out to the west over the ocean and there's just like this weird kind of it look it looked like a rocket but it was just like this like glowy kind of cloud it was super weird and and there was you know it was taken up and everybody was freaking out about it like on the internet do you see look at the ocean look at the. and I, I remember taking a video of it and everybody could see it from like Los Angeles all the way down to probably San Diego was that you guys what was that
0: Yeah, I think that was us. That was when we did a launch out of Vandenberg right around sunset. And you can see the rocket over the Pacific. Yeah. uh, Because Vandenberg, we do polar uh, launches. So Mm -hmm. um, it's headed south. uh, So anybody on the West Coast can see it. People on the four wow. or five are running into each other thinking oh, it's yeah. like UFOs, North Korea. Totally. I'm getting text messages nonstop like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, don't worry. It's just a, it's just a rocket. Yeah. Putting a satellite into orbit. Why don't we know about this? I was like, because Kim Kardashian's ass was more important today or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't get enough attention. But what happened was because uh. of during uh, stage separation, when the first stage shuts off, the second stage kicks back on. Right. Or second stage kicks on for the first time. Uh-huh. Um you're still low enough in the atmosphere where you can see the plume really well. You can see the and plume. The That's what it's of the called. And the sun okay. was doing a great job of uh, really highlighting the plume
1: wow. during sunset. Oh, my god. And you gosh. just see
0: the plume getting bigger and bigger and bigger because yes. it's in space. So it's just going to, you know, those wait, gases wait. are going on forever It at was
1: that in point. space at that point? Or it it's was like, just over the ocean. It was uh, up? No,
0: it, it was up in space. No yeah.
1: way. And it looked like it was down like, okay, to my eye, to the naked eye, it looked like it was only like above the ocean, maybe about a mile and a half.
0: Yeah, well don't forget, like if you're if you're on the curvature of the earth and right. you're looking straight out, right. it could be way out there. Way but out at, there. But the rest of the earth is still rotating. So oh, it might look like it's goodness. still flying over the horizon, but it's it's <gasps> definitely up out there. And it's up out there. Yeah. Okay, you flat um, earthers. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, proof right there. I I mean, I don't understand how they flat earthers don't understand sphericalness
1: of Earth and how
0: gravity works, which is what puts the satellites or keeps their satellites in orbit, which allows them to post a YouTube video saying that everything's a hoax. But, (laughs) man, that's that's one hell of a hoax that I guess I'm part of. I guess you
1: are, Mike. I mean. Whatever.
0: I want to spend all my free time making sure this hoax works instead of partying.
1: (laughs) What's something you want to, like, either debunk or tell people to, like, just so they know that maybe they're getting wrong?
0: Uh, if I could tell anybody anything, it would be go harder. Okay. Don't harder. Don't make up imaginary barriers that you cannot overcome or that you feel or you've been told you cannot overcome because Mm. the teams that I've managed, the teams that I've worked with and the people that I've, you know, worked with have blown my mind of what I thought was possible, like humanly possible. Right. And that's why I'm on this kick of like, let's go harder
1: yeah that's freaking awesome and and just with everything i mean everything. you guys i mean you guys yeah. like you said you were failing you're learning so much from those failures like that's inspiring thank you so much mike this is so awesome i feel like oh, so cool getting all this info Joni,
0: thank you <laughs> it was great being here love awesome. you guys
1: all right bye bye Thank you so much, Mike, for telling us all about your job and what goes on at SpaceX. I found it super fascinating. If you've got any questions for Mike, go to www.thelittlebitpodcast.com and go to the blog section. Leave your questions there and we'll make sure to address them in a future podcast. The Little Bit Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Joni Sprague in Orange County, California become a patron, go to patreon.com slash the little bit podcast. So you can donate and help me make more amazing podcasts just like this one. We'll be back next week with a new episode. We're not alone out
0: there. <laughs>